Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Chef of Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host is hoping that he too can use football's maudlin obsession with the past to wangle a lucrative multi-year deal out of Abbey Lane Junior FC. My friend and yours, Dr. Luke Gledall. How are you doing today, Luke? I'm very good. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you called me out because I've just been <laughs> vying to chomping at the bit to get back to get back to Chabby Lane. Basically, <laughs> remember the good old days. We were good together. I gave you goals, you gave me booty. Come on, we did it once, we can do it again. <laughs> exactly. So, as, aside from being deep, deep in those negotiations, how, how, how's uh, how's life treating you this week? I'm doing okay. It's uh, yeah, we're in this. I, I'm in this weird world where, like, I kind of glad there's no football, but I'm kind of still thinking is there some more football. You know, mm, there is some football. It's whether or not you care about the football that is ongoing. And maybe I kind of want all of the football to end when my football ends. You know? Yes. Yeah. That's the thing is, like, I don't care about. I don't know. I probably will give a passing glance towards the Champions League final, but oh, the Premier League goes on for a long time, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh. Well, the main thing I wanted was for Bournemouth not to get to the to through the playoffs. I don't know why it felt like in this year with the uh, the impending Super League, etc., that not having the three relegated Premier League teams go straight back up was felt like an important thing. So I'm sure it's not important in any way, but to me it felt important, and therefore I am glad that uh, they've not even made it out of the out of the uh, the playoffs uh, semi-finals. So there we go. There's there's a very very minor speck of silver lining <laughs> to the enormous cloud that has been the last two years in the footballing world. So there we go. Speaking <laughs> of positives of uh, of negatives. Well, there's a few bits and pieces. Uh, do you want to start with the athletic article because it technically we maybe could and should have dealt with it last week? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think it was an article kind of put out by Nancy Frostick a couple of weeks ago, which I think was a combination of people as well, a combination of of a journalist. I'm not sure if it was actually entirely her solo work, but uh, there might be some of the people involved. Um, apologize if I can't kind of verify that information. No, I'm just uh, I'm kind just... of struggling, struggling to scramble for that one. But anyway, um, another great kind of article in the Athletic. There were some really interesting things, just talking about kind of um, the background of the club and just what's kind of been going on this season. Yeah, some of the ways in which it's uh, things are a little bit, a little bit run poorly and not going too well, as uh, as we all know. <laughs> just to confirm. Is Nancy Frostick and more? So yeah, there was there's a there's a, a few other people, folks have chipped in. Mm-hmm. It's a real traveling Wilburys of a, an athletic article, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And um, there were some very interesting things to be taken from this article, including some things that kind of challenge um, my understanding and opinion on things, and I'm sure a lot of Wednesday's opinion on things. Mm. Um, one of the interesting things was looking at was the resourcing of the club and yeah. looking at the reputation and character of Amadou Paxau. 
Mm. And people apparently speaking incredibly favorably about him. When you have an unnamed source and Mm. an unpopular figure gets kind of positive coverage, (laughs) did did you, did you, alarm bells, credulity alarm bells, alarm bells ring a little bit there? Because I, I did think it was getting to the point of like Pak Xiao, um, surprisingly handsome uh, in the flesh. You know, it was that it was <laughs> there was a few comments are a bit like that. You know, he's loved. He don't whatever happens here. People really love Amadou Pak Xiao. He is a great guy. But it, I mean, some of the things we were it was sort of confirming what we suspected or knew already about the poor running of things. Um, I think, unfortunately, it probably shows the depths that some of us wished wasn't the case is is probably true on some matters. This kind of totalitarian control over things, which when things go well, obviously it means there's one person to point to for the the praise, but when things have not gone well and nobody can argue that this previous season has gone well, it means there's also one put you know one place to point the finger of blame. It's a hard read in that regard because it's like how do how do things change and do, do people ever really change? I know we've had the announcement of a new chief operating officer, uh, so maybe that's a sign that a bit of acknowledgement that we need a person on the ground day to day. The way that activity around the club wax and wanes around the physical presence of Depjohn Chansiri is is a real worrying thing, particularly as we continue to have issues with people traveling around the world. So um, mm, it was sobering, I think, is the is the word I would use. Mm. But worth a read. Definitely very much so. And, and still kind of sources still kind of backing up a lot of the stuff that we see about the chairman not wanting players to leave. You know, it doesn't... Yeah. It's still staggering to look at now. And especially, I I think that's probably... There are probably more things we can say about this article. Just to recommend that it's 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 a good read. Like like a lot of articles on The Athletic are, I think. I really like the work that Nancy Frostick does. And I think I'm... Probably comes across in the things I say, especially about the local journalist. I'm critical about very snapshot, very clickbaity, mm. short articles. And, you know, what a surprise. I like it when people make the effort to make kind of long-form, decent reads. And maybe that says something about who I am, but I don't know. I, I genuinely think that's a really good form of journalism. Anyway, yeah. it, it, the thing I was going to connect it to, the next piece is the fact that, you know, there's, there's a piece in the article about how he doesn't want players to leave. And there's a little bit about how, uh, from one source, like a player had to kind of um, track the chairman down, yeah. try and kind of engineer and get a move through and talk about uh, deals, goalposts being moved on deals and last, you know, the final hours of the deal as well. Yeah, which doesn't fit in with how football works as we understand it from the outside looking in. Um, and I think I think some amount, too much churn is obviously a, a warning sign and you don't want a revolving door of players because then you do have commitment issues and things like that. You also don't want, you need some level of kind of freshness to a football team. I think football teams get stale very, very quickly. Mm. Uh, and yeah, not just having this almost unique 
<laughs> aversion to to letting players leave. It's a very strange affliction to have, and it's hurt us. You know, people get too comfortable. There's no stakes. I mean, we talk about it being a results business, and it, it's barely a results business for anybody within. If you're not getting rid of players and you're fairly hesitant to remove poorly performing managers, which by and large has been the case. There's just yeah that that kind of cliff edge of result being a results game and a results business is fairly dull in the background, whereas normally in football it's so pronounced and such a driving force behind everything. Maybe it could have worked. You know, the comfortable football team where everybody's got a job for life could have been <laughs> could have been the new way to do things. But it hasn't worked. It really, really hasn't worked. Well, I mean, there's that weird mentality that kind of, I think, uh, Mr. Chancery's kind of mentality is this is a family and people who are people who are treated well will kind of repay that in performances on the pitch which doesn't fit with not paying them wages on time <laughs> well it doesn't it, that's true but then unfortunately with not selling players i think players can be quite upset for the fact that you're denying them a chance to kind of progress in their careers yeah so many careers you need to move the threat of a move or moving is what progresses people through lots and lots of careers and football is definitely mm. one of them. Um, it's how you how you get that pay rise, how you get that bump up the queue. You, you, yeah, you move around or you use the fact that you could move to to get a better position at your at your current club, which we have seen happen. You know how many people have been linked with uh, Liam Shaw's style moves up to up to Celtic uh, and. And then signed a lovely, nice new deal at Wednesday as a result. Mm, mm-hmm. Westwood, Reach, Bannon, others? Dawson. Dawson. Tom Lees was linked somewhere else, wasn't he, before he signed his last contract re-up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I, as I, I too sort of lean towards a longer article where you can sort of sink your teeth into things and explore some of the edges of things rather than the the barest amount of content eked out over the most amount of page you know page space that is just not an enjoyable way to consume news and it's it doesn't lend itself to quality either so yeah the long reads of uh, that the athletic offers for me feel like they're value value for money I'm, I'm i'm happy to to pay my usually reduced price subscription <laughs> to for for the service because I, I do think it it offers good value it's particular if you follow a, a number of sports uh, it's it's got good content across the board so next up retained list is that mm-hmm. yeah sorry that was my uh, that was my failed attempt at a segue which is basically sorry. like no, no, it's cool. It's just that funny mentality of like, I value having people at the club within a family, but also I don't really like spending a lot of money on things. I don't like losing money. But then <laughs> you lose a lot of money when our record signing and Adam Reach and mm. a few other players have been released on mass. Yeah, so uh, we had the interview with Darren Moore midweek where he they were finalizing the retained list. So he wasn't able to sort of release the news at that stage but he he sort of intimated that young players should probably block their ideas up because they're going to have chances to 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 force their way into his plans so that maybe told us where we were headed with that with the retained list and then a few days later 
um, it did come out. So we knew about Jos van Aken. He's already got a, a club elsewhere. Kadeem Harris, Elias Kachunga, Tom Lees, Matt Penny, Moses Odebajo, Joey Pelopesi, Adam Reach, Jordan Rhodes and Kieran Westwood all released on the expiry of their current contracts, which will be a, a, um, a month or so from now. Activated one-year extensions to retain Kieran Brennan, Alex Hunt and Sam Hutchinson. And Osas, I listened to, I watched a video of Urigide talking about the highs and lows of his career. And he said his name, I've been saying Osaze. He doesn't call himself Osaze, but I've forgotten how he, how he referred to himself. So Urigide, as he's always known, he doesn't have a first name. Um, he's oh, you, big O. OU, yeah, we're back to OU. He's been offered a new contract. Liam Shaw, we know, has declined the Wednesday offer and gone uh, to Celtic. And then rapturous applause, hooting and howling. Izzy Brown and Jack Marriott have returned to their parent clubs. So mm. I know there's a lot to sort of pick through there. Anything mm. that catches your your fancy as a, to sort of address first and foremost? Um, it's interesting to kind of look at that. And I mean, that's pretty much what we said, just as a kind of spoiler and a heads up for part two of our player ratings that we'll get into in this episode. Yeah, I think we've pretty much gone with the same. I only think that maybe there was a little bit of a question with us, if I'm kind of recalling our conversations from last week, where we recorded that, um, mm. was maybe Matt Penny, maybe. But I think we were kind of like, probably about the time that it's, it's probably time for him to go. Yeah. I think I heard some interesting things in... I think I heard some interesting things in the press that apparently there was some rumors or conjecture or kind of short form journalism mm. about possibly Odebajo being someone who Darren Moore liked. I heard, yeah, I heard tell of that. And then obviously that's, that's not happened. Mm. <laughs> I mean, interesting that like we haven't tried to, it's interesting we retain this because I mean, we, we kind of did that with, you know, Fletcher and Morgan. So Fletcher yeah. and Morgan Fox. That is like we we would like to keep them. Yes. We made a very concerted effort or concerted effort within budgetary reasons to try and give them a deal to keep them at the club. I but wonder with Odebadjo whether this does happen from time to time. If he doesn't get a new club, whether we might let him do his rehab at, at the training ground, Middlewood Road, and mm. and maybe if it gets to the point where. He's, you know, he's he's fought his way back to fitness. We we might be in pole position to offer him something short term. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting the fact that we've not even kind of entertained the concept of trying to keep some of these players. No, like it's not even like we're going to give a paltry offer to Adam Reach, who's probably one of the ones of those who mm, I guess I'd probably maybe want to keep at a certain kind of wage but even still been still been a disappointing last kind of i don't know 12 18 months with with adam reach overall so i i kind of see that but it's just we're not even entertaining the concept of trying that's interesting to me well well, what you don't know is if there's been kind of informal would you consider having a conversation at x Mm. adam reach has just gone nah don't don't bother Mm. Because uh, he is probably chief amongst the the players on that list who, uh, if he gets any sort of offer from the championship, it will be, it will dwarf anything that we can even hope to approach in League One, I would think. Well, it's been insane that I I guess I 
hope it's agent talk, but I mean, there's even talk of him joining Norwich, the newly promoted Norwich. Wow. Interesting. Which if he if he manages to to get a deal, then all the more power to him. Then uh, I'd, I'd be a bit staggered for Norwich. I don't think he's that level unless you're maybe it, it's a it could be a very cheap gamble. Yeah. And uh, you do get to that stage of sort of, you know, you can never have too many Ferraris if you're a, there'll be a lot of money sloshing around Norwich doing the back to back motion relegation promotion. That, um, there's a lot of money there. Speaking of uh, don't hate the player, hate the game, <laughs> let's move on to one of our release players who's already gone and signed a contract with another club, and that's Jordan Rhodes, Jordan who Rhodes. gets himself a whopping three-year deal at Huddersfield Town. 31 years of, old, uh, years of age. Takes Maybe. him to the ripe age of 34. Wow. Which I think he's a mobile now. Just imagine what he's going to be like in uh, on that third season of that of that wedge that he's going to be on. Just you wait, yeah. It's uh, best of luck to him and them. Uh, it's it seems a baffling a baffling signing, <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? Maybe there's some there's something in there that we just haven't managed to unlock. I've got fed up waiting for it to happen at Hillsborough, and obviously now the time's run out altogether. The clock has uh, has has told, but it's it just it's as strange to me as when Carlos or Brian Laws suddenly got Premier League jobs after failing on Wednesday. It uh, feels like that kind of dramatic failing upwards that is almost inexplicable. That obviously the the slight explanatory fact you've got here is that Jordan Rhodes has a storied history at Huddersfield mm-hmm. and I mean if we've admired him from afar all these years till we signed him I'm sure Huddersfield in the same way his legend has only grown in those intervening years. Did you know Jordan Rhodes fact uh, he is Huddersfield Town's eighth top scorer of all time. There you go. With 87 goals and over his three years I imagine he could maybe bother the top five spot, which is only another 21 goals to go. Certainly so, when they get relegated at the end of next season, in League One, he might be able to, yeah, really have a go at it. He'll turn amazing again. It was really interesting. I went and kind of looked over Huddersfield Town for him, and it was a very weird mix of the the, the excitement of getting this, this uh, club legend, so to speak, and latter-day club legend and Jordan Rhodes back at the club yeah. and people being like, this is this is a really bad deal in three years. So an interesting combination of that. I can probably see their kind of mentality of getting someone who is so electric for them. But the funny thing was I went ahead and watched a highlight a highlight reel of basically every, every goal he'd scored for Huddersfield Town. Oh, and wow. he is so far away <laughs> from that player. It is insane how good he used to be. It's he just looks so mobile, a poacher, someone who could finish from left foot, right foot, from a variety of positions around the penalty area, and even you know rare occasions outside the penalty area. Yeah, and just he just looked like yeah he he looks a completely different player to what we got. Well, that famous the the, the fourth goal where everybody was screaming fourth goal at Hillsborough in the 4-4 where everybody's screaming at Reader just to take him out that pace because Reader was no slouch we all we all remember very fondly that 
incredible. Was it Bristol City, the tackle that he did, where he just like the guy probably still doesn't know what happened to him as he as as a six foot three monster wrapped its leg around him, <laughs> pitched the ball and left him in a heap on the ground. Mm. <laughs> but like Reader had some recovery pace and he couldn't get near Rhodes. Rhodes does not have those legs anymore. No. There's no burst of pace to him. There's no acceleration. It's all it's all very, very tediously paced one that his game now. Best to look to them. I mean, if they think they can make him a kind of if they can afford to carry him as a Johnny on the spot poacher, he'll get some goals. Whether whether it's worth it for the team, whether it's worth using a space in your your eleven for him, I don't we've seen enough, I, I think, at Wednesday to think we wouldn't make yeah, that. We've we've had that conversation plenty of times, right? Yeah. Fascinating, really. Uh, I think the other one that we sort of had a pause over was was probably Joey Pelopesi. Obviously, he's another one that's gone altogether. I think it's interesting Hunt has got another year, so we've taken that extra year extension. Mm. We were told he was getting some admiration from other clubs, including some championship clubs. So we've at least decided to cover our backsides in that regard and, and make sure he's, he's in contract if somebody comes sniffing. I'm quite pleased about that, though. I think I think Hunt has this potential there that he's a player. I think he's maybe too slight for the, for the very top end of the game. But we've had people leave us and had, have very good careers in sort of League Two and, and National League type situations before and and it might be the hunts in that in that group or it might be that you know suddenly he gets a he gets what he needs to do to go to that next level and uh and turns a corner in some regard mm-hmm. anything else do you want to cover there no i think that covers it okay well we will now go to the pre-recorded remainder of our player ratings picking up uh, just after Andre Green at Fiseo Deli Bashiru. Uh, and like so many games of the season, from the season that's just been, it's tedious, it's lethargic, it feels pointless. And then Elias Kachunga is thrown in at the end out of nowhere. <laughs> so <laughs> enjoy. We will come back on the other side and uh, we've got a couple of other things to deal with. We've got Fizzy next. Fiseo Deli Bashiru, number 17. In 39 squads, but only 13 appearances in total. I've gone with a C. Like, I, again, it's, I don't, some bright, bright moments, and I, I'm still staggered why we didn't see more of him. Yeah, I would have loved to see more of him. It's disappointing. I don't know. I don't know how good he is. I don't, I don't know. No. I, I, I definitely, I think he's better than the amount of chances he's had in this season. That's a good call. Yeah, I I agree. Like that's undoubted, isn't it? He's he's deserved a better roll of the dice than he's had. Mm. Whether whether he ends up being really something special or bang average, he's. I wish we'd turn to him a little bit more often. Uh, Especially call, when we had like so much anon- anonymity in the middle of the pack, we we chose well, him when with like free in the middle of the park on so many occasions this season. And I, I don't know why you didn't think you could afford one of those to be FDB. And even I'm going to kind of push on with this and, and kind of do a bit of foreshadowing. Is he brown a bit more? Yeah, yeah. I think that abundance of caution just put us in put us in some strange situations. Like, as mm. you say, we more often than not played a three. The three should give us the 
it gives you a wild card. It gives you an option for a guy that does something else. Yeah. And the other thing is just how many of those appearances from, from uh, Pelopesa we talked about, he's played 43 games. Mm. What about if Del- give Deli Bashiru five or six of those? Mm. Give Izzy Brown five or six, you know, like who knows what could have been with that. Exactly. I, it's the tried and tested of Pelopesi. It's like, it's not very good, but it, I do know what I'm going to get when Pelopesi plays. And just taking that option again and again. I don't know. I'm trying to think what it's like. It's like going to the same takeaway that you don't like very much, even though there's like, if you're in a city, you'll have loads of options, but you don't try somewhere new. You're just like, well, well, me, I, I occasionally I have a Nando's delivered. I don't really like Nando's. It's okay. It's not great. There's probably things that are 10 times better than Nando's. But I do go with Nando sometimes because I'm like, well, it's going to be here in the right amount of time. It's going to be all right. It's going to be edible. You know, I'm not going to end up with something that's horrible. And I probably pick that more often than it deserves to be picked. And I think that's Pelopesi. It's been more often than not. He's got that nod. But the the, the funny thing about the the defensive, sorry, the, the midfield kind of makeup in a free is you're kind of doing that with a view that you need to have a, a foothold on the game but we never did have many footholds in the middle of the park in the game so it's just what are you doing with all these players in the middle of the park yeah that was the big thing for me so it's just why not why not kind of afford some kind of ill-fated luxuries why not kind of aspire to do something why are we still we're still just we tread water we treaded water so often and that that complacency got us relegated it was that complacency which was embodied through Tony Pulis. We accepted average more often than not. Right, when we could have gambled for something a bit more, right? Yeah, yeah. And if the if the answer was, it's like being sat at 1-0 down. You can lose 1-0, you can stay doing what you're doing, you're losing 1-0 anyway, or you can have a go, and you might lose 2-0 or 3-0, but you might get a goal back, and you might get 2 you might win 2-1. But so often this season, we're like, well... We'll just take the one 0 loss, and it's not too embarrassing, and mm. we get to try again next week. And I think that's the difference between a club like I don't know. That feels the difference between Sheffield Wednesday and teams like teams that survived, and we're still mm. shit but survived, like Coventry and Huddersfield. Even, <laughs> even Wickham, to be honest, I feel mm. like Wickham took me. It's like, well, chances are we'll go down. We might as well go down, giving it a go. Mm. And like. I don't know whether there was like denial from us that we weren't going to go down, but like it almost feels like we would have been better off if we'd taken the attitude of we start from a position of being relegated. We might as well give it a try rather than just be so cautious. That was Monk, Monk and Pulis over and over was cautious to a fault. And then the the, the prospect, your possibilities shrink massively when you're, when you're so cautious in the way you set up. Um, uh, this is an interesting one. I think we're we maybe even a little bit divided. This uh, the next man up, mm. uh, number eighteen is Joshua Windass, Trumpy Bomb himself, Farty ass. <laughs> uh, Joshua Windass. I I have to go with the best mark that I've given, which is B plus. Oh. Wow. Is it possible? Is that tinged with frustration as well, though? Because I I think it's like. It was about as good as we had in the team, but you couldn't help but feel he maybe even could have gone one better. Yeah, I'm, I'm constantly 
disappointed. Because I felt your frustration. Yeah, no. And it, with him throughout the season. Like, so that's the thing. I don't think I can... I don't want to name him player of the season. But n- nine goals and six assists is pretty fantastic. I know, that's the thing. But I just think he should have done it a bit more often. I think he should be on 12 goals and seven or eight assists. I think yeah. he's that player. I think he's good enough. I, he is... I, he, I, th- I think he is really good. He's but, got the potential. Yeah. He, he has the ability. Yeah. He's got everything in his locker. It just, it, it's just not quite enough. I think that's just the, it, Josh Windass's success is still the story of Sheffield Wednesday season. It's just, it's I expected a bit more from everyone. Mm. You know, and it just, it, it that would be the fine margins. That would be, I don't know, the six, seven goals that keep us up this year, or not letting, not letting in. Six, seven goals. Yeah, yeah. If he plays like he did, if he stays with us and plays like he did last season, or play, yeah, this season just gone. Next year, he will he will tear it up in League One. He'll be a very formidable player at that level, completely. He will make himself a very rich young man. I would think he will have a Jack Marriott <laughs> career defining season that will be hard to shake off, despite the fact that every fiber of his being tells you that he's terrible at football. Um, there will be people that continue to say. So, and I guess the hilarious thing is, I went for Josh Windass in the predictions. We'll cover that. I said he'd be our top goal scorer of eight goals. Wow. I know. I know. And he got, what, nine? Nine in the league, one in the cup. Yeah, nine in the league, one in the cup. (laughs) (laughs) All right, the rest of my predictions are crap and show that I don't have some insight into the world to the future. No, you've got the second sight. Wow, wow, wow. I'm, I'm calling it second sight. Wow, it's weird. Eerie. That's uh, uh, do, do you share my love for Betsy Sodaro on, uh, as a regular podcast guest person, Luke? I do. She her response to anything like that is like, that's spooky, man. That's spooky. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that's spooky. That's what I'm thinking with your your prediction being so so prescient. Um, <laughs> well, he's got another year. I hope we get to see him play that that next season. That next season, but it, uh, with money being tight, I suspect there will be people that are. He will have attracted interest with his his form this season uh, from some pretty interesting teams, I would think. Uh, so whether he is he gets his head turned and whether we can turn down some pots of cash. That's going to be a different question altogether. But uh, next up is another out-of-contract player, Osaze Uragide. Osaze's a really... God, it's such an interesting one with Osaze Uragide. I don't know. I, I, mm, I've gone for a C+. Mm, I, think that's, I think that's fair. I'd like to see him, and maybe Moore is the guy to do it. You know, Moore has had that career. He's... I can sort of see a fair bit of more in Uragide. Mm-hmm. You can kind of imagine that they're, they're kind of similar sort of build. If more could sort of take him under his, what, what I'd love to see with Uragide is as a manager that believes in him and gives him the gives him the confidence that you know what you're, you're twenty years old. There will be mistakes, but you're my guy. Mm. Like you are going to play right back or centre. You know, whichever one we pick. I think probably. I think possibly he's. I think probably he's more of a centre back than a right back. That's his kind of upbringing. Although his best performances, weirdly for us, have often been at right back. Every right Whichever back. Whichever one, yeah. pick one. 
play him there, make him the first choice, whether whether you whether he is or not. You know, make him feel wanted and believe you believe in him. You you think he's the guy for you, and I think that might really help him because what he is 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 nervous, and you watch him play, a bit like Burner. I'm watching Burner, and I think Burner is playing the game moment by moment because he is he knows his 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 legs have gone. And he's constantly aware of the fact. And I think Uruguide is the other side of his career in that he's worried that a mistake will be that he doesn't play again for six months because it's happened to him already. And somebody having the belief and just sort of saying, do you know what, you're our first choice centre-back, you're our first choice right-back, you're, you're, you're going to play, I think might do him the world of good. But I think at the moment, C-plus and for his season... C plus is fair. There's been mistakes. There's been errors. There's been good games, uh, and I think probably the good games have slightly outweighed the the the, the, the troublesome ones. He's clearly well built. He's got a decent uh, engine on him. Mm-hmm. There's there's lots of sort of upside. The big question with him again is will he will we get to see that upside or is he going to go somewhere else because he, he his contract's up. Would you like to keep him on? Are you the same as me or would you or are you not that fussed? I think if there's an opportunity, I think I'm slightly more in favour of keeping him at the club. Mm. I think I'm like sixty forty on this one. Okay. I don't know. Maybe there's. I'm thinking now that Wednesday are relegated, it's a much better platform for him to get going on yeah yeah um but i don't know it might be best for him if he goes elsewhere it might be best for his career that he finds something else somewhere else <laughs> something else it's kind of funny like just something else to do just something else to do yeah <laughs> a new skill i don't know i don't know how much we're there for developing a youngster in that position who's had this season i don't know how good we are at doing that i don't know if we're ever a good place for that which is sad which is really really sad i I don't know if he needs to go learn some lessons elsewhere. Yeah. Like I'm hoping I'm hoping he can learn and get better and I'm hoping it doesn't ruin him being at Sheffield Wednesday. If he can do that and if we have the right mentality and the right people to help him do that, then yes. Then I think he should stay. Then I think we, I I think we should definitely try and offer him a contract. I'm yeah. imagining we are like, you know, but All I'm right. sure it'll probably come down to, you know, I'm sure they'll probably he'll have some other options to think about. I, I don't yeah. think that's... I think there will be a... Yeah, he'll get approaches from, from other clubs. It's just... He should uh, he should pick based on where he'll play. And I, I would think he'll get games with us. I don't know whether that will happen elsewhere. But, um, it, yeah, it's a big summer for him, I think, and a big year or two coming up because he's in that same sort of 20 years old or thereabouts is when you need to start staking your claim. It's when you... It's you becoming the man that you're going to be in terms of your footballing career. <laughs> um, not the finished product, but sort of need to be need to be on that journey by this stage, I think. Okay. Well, number 20 is Jordan Rhodes. C minus. Mm. I even said in my predictions that like for different pretenses and different ideas that like I felt that there was a lot more to come of Jordan Rhodes under under a previous different regime, I must say. Mm. And that regime was going to be... Um, that regime was the one of Gary Monk with James Beattie. Right, yes. You know, so there's a different kind of mentality and a different feel with that one. 
But um, and maybe a coach to help him find his fire again. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. To see where what he'd lost, what he'd lost before. And I mean, it was it was an improved season. It's it's not enough for the transfer fee. It's not enough for our record signing. It's not enough for the staggering wages we're paying the guy. It's just not enough. But it's no. it. We should have had this in one of his early seasons. We should he should have had a season like this before. And I think in different senses, I think he did. Yeah. But I, I think he should have had this season to then improve and kick on from as like an intro. But he never did. No. It's just such a such a difficult waste of opportunity. So do you I mean the season that he wasn't out on loan, he's played thirty plus games basically every season that he's been here. Mm. Apart from the season that he spent away on on uh, on loan, I just do. You, what, where do you put? Where do you place the? You know, if this was going to be, if this was his first season, what would you want to see? Would you think it was a coaching thing, a team thing, or in terms of his building on it and improving? I just, it's just. We need to. I don't know. I think we consciously need to have. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I was going to say something, and I'm completely abandoning it. I'm completely just jumping off that. Like, okay. <laughs> I don't know what the problem is. I don't know what the problem with Jordan Rhodes is. To me, I he think he's physically where he was. Yes. I. Yeah. I think. I think. I, my frustration is that we signed him. I don't think my frustration is really with his time. I. I. I don't know a lot. I mean, I'm sure we could have. We could have done things slightly better, but I, I I don't go along with the sort of received wisdom that he's not had the chances. I think he's been given more than enough chances. If he if it was there, he's had the chances to grab systems and things like that. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, people are talking about this being, you know, that, oh, suddenly he scores goals this season. It, yeah, he has. He scored seven goals. It's not enough. It's not enough when your only thing you do is score goals. And he's had chances. I mean, he could have kept us up on his own if he was just a bit better at heading a ball into a goal. But to me, I just I just think he's just gone physically. I think his mind is willing, but his body is failing him. There's a there was at one point there was a bit of a I don't think he's ever been a quick, quick guy, but I think he had a, a bit of acceleration, a bit of that like first 10 yards are in your head sort of thing. But I think the some of those yards need to be in your body as well. It can't just be in your head. I think he's like the physical embodiment of the fact that like, even if you think quicker, your legs still need to move fairly quickly to take those chances. I can't remember what moment I might have. I can't remember. I also can't remember if I've mentioned this on the podcast before. So apologies if I'm repeating myself. But there was a moment a couple of games ago where the ball broke into the middle, and you could tell John Rhodes was thinking, "Great, a chance!" And by the time he turned himself round and tr- tried to move towards the ball, two defenders and and Josh Windass had all run round him and got to the ball about nine feet in front of Jordan Rhodes. And that was just, it almost made me sad because it's just like, you were never, <laughs> I could tell he was like, thought there was not, he knew there was an opportunity there. It wasn't the thought there was an opportunity. He knew there was an opportunity. It was a break of the ball. It was something to kind of pounce on, but there's, he couldn't pounce. Mm-hmm. 
uh, he looked like he was running backwards. He looked like he was doing the running man whilst everybody was going forwards. I, I just, I don't know. I'm so he, uh, cheerio, Jordan. I don't know what's going to come next for you. I would be hugely surprised if you go and score lots of goals somewhere that's not that's championship level. But if you manage to do it, well done. But I, I just, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no longer convinced that there is a a tiger waiting to be unleashed in Jordan Rhodes. I think it's, whether it's physical or mental or a bit of both, I, th- I just think it's all gone, mm. which is not a wonderful place to be. <laughs> but uh, there we go. Depressing. This is a little depressing run now. Uh, <laughs> Massimo Luongo, number 21. Oh, gone. I have gone, Rich, for, I've gone for a D. Oh, uh, did we have any, was there any juice we got from Traction Mass this year? Played 13 games and remember some of his tackling performances being spectacular. Mm, but it just how doesn't. How did QPR know they were handing us, how did QPR know this was the moment to get rid of him? I don't know. It's, uh, they're truly, truly the ones to look in the crystal ball while they finish ninth in this league and we finish rock bottom. Spooky man, it's Spooky. <laughs> But he played 30 games a season. He's a mainstay of the team. Yep. They hand him to us, mm-hmm. and he is, it's like they handed us a handful of bits of string and buttons. And it, like, it's, it just it's gradually fallen apart in our hands. Mm-hmm. He's so good when he plays. Probably challenges Bannon for best player in the team when he plays. Yep. But he is a wreck. Just a broken Australian. Oh, just nothing. There's nothing. Traction mm. mass, as we say. He's um, he's earned the title this year more than more than ever before. He's got another year left. Is that right, or is it another two? It's another year. I think we signed him on a free year in 2019. Yeah. He was a deadline day purchase that summer. First, you know, our first season of doing the podcast mm. with the traction mass years. There's so many players within this squad that I wish hadn't played so often. We are the blunder years, Rich. <laughs> the blunder years, yeah. yeah. I just wish we'd seen more of him. Uh, things would have been so much different, so much better. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a deeply, deeply frustrating signing he's been. Mm-hmm. It's such a shame. Such a shame. Hmm. And, you know, people talk about we shouldn't sign people that are 30 or whatever, you know, stop, like, we're signed to perfect age, 26 when he joined us. That's exactly what you want. I know. In his athletic prime, but he is... Do you want to know one of the most depressing things from that predictions episode, Rich? What's one of the most depressing things? Um, I hope for an injury-free season for Luongo, and Rich said, if we can get a full season out of Luongo. Oh. We didn't even get a quarter of a season. Yeah, didn't even get a quarter portion. <laughs> One quarter portion. <laughs> Moses Adebayo. I've uh, gone with a D plus. D plus. <laughs> Twenty-two games from Moses this season. Mm-hmm. That happened. That happened. He was there. We were there. We saw yeah. it. History books were right. <laughs> Written by the victors. I can't. I can't remember very much that he's done this season. I remember some clangers. He, did we have some clangers? Did, we, we did, did have, have some clangers. clangers. We did indeed. Not two pens in a game, though. 
That's no, first no, that's an improvement. There you go. <laughs> but largely injury prone. And did he give that? Was the derby? Was that this season or was that last season? The derby. Uh, that was last season as well, wasn't it? it was last season. Arm wrestle. He gave a high five, didn't he? He did do the high five. He did. Uh, a different type of arm wrestling. Well, yeah. Well, I, I don't know how much more I can say really about Moses. Just a kind of nothing. Some mistakes as per. He's picked up a long injury. He's just got back to to walking, I think, and running again, unencumbered. Would you Would you give him a year or two, or or are we <laughs> waving Moses goodbye? Fuck no. Fuck no. We're letting, we're, letting the, we're letting the Red Sea come back together and waving to him on the other side of the water so, and flicking him the bickies as he turns away. I thought he was going to be in the middle of the Red Sea parting when it comes back. <laughs> He's responsible for the, for the death of uh, many Egyptians. There's a lot of drowning metaphors on this one. <laughs> or I'm thinking of him and just uh, tying a rock to Joey Pelopessi. Uh, chucking him into the chucking, chucking him into the pool. Oh well, farewell to our babe amongst the bulrushes. Shay Dunkley's up next, number twenty-three. Oh, he wow. managed to make a big sixteen appearances on the bench or in the team, and just twelve uh, times he rocked up for the for the team, the first team. I've gone for a D for Shay Dunkley. I mean, Shay Dunkley. Wow, this is just completely. Completely the wrong signing that we needed to make. Yeah. Someone coming back from such a monster injury with a great attitude, a great pedigree, and seems like he's got a degree of athleticism. But as you said, when you come back from such a monster injury, all the other muscles around it have been lax for a very long time. And it's I a hate- great position to pick up a lot of injuries coming mm. back from the injury trail. Just not what we needed in the slightest. Um he had some good moments. I think he had a bit of a runner's spell in the January January games where it looked like, you know, this is a bit more of the play we needed. Heartbreaking that we talked about in our predictions that we really got on the we really got on the enthusiasm train for Shay Dunkley. <laughs> we got on the enthusiasm train for Dunkley and then the conductor came around and said, You do know this is going to uh <laughs> you do know this is going <laughs> This, this is going to Hull, don't you? This is going straight to League One with no stops. And we're going to have to... We're not going to have to throw you off the train, but what we're going to have to do is tie you onto the side of a train. <laughs> How ironic. Awful. And maybe I don't understand irony, just like Alanis Morissette. But the guy that G'd us all up by talking about promotion at the start of the season <laughs> was the guy who lumbered into his man to hand uh hand safety to Derby County Beautiful. and relevators. Yep. Yep. A a disastrous signing. A much more likable human being than uh, than Jack Marriott. Um who yep. just from everything I can if if I'm just projecting from his behaviour on the football pitch, scum of the earth. Um but Shay Dunkley <laughs> seems like Chay Dunkley seems like a great chap, great character to have around. What a great name, Chay Dunkley. <laughs> Fantastic name. I thought about doing a bit for the podcast 
which was Shea Dunkley sounds, he sounds American. He sounds like the old American hero. Mm. He sounds like one of the characters in The Boys. One of them should be a black superhero called Shea Dunkley. Shea Dunkley. And I thought about doing this bit with Shea Dunkley with, um, <laughs> this is, the idea would be that it was going to be a bit, I was going to do a sketch where I was going to do uh, an impression of a, <laughs> of a, of a Midlanders. Um, Midlands man, as his name, Shai Dunkley. Shai Dunkley. Which is a great, great thing to say in a West Midlands accent. That's what he's from, he's isn't a, it? Well, people think I'm from West Midlands, but I'm Shai Dunkley. I'm from Rancho Cucamonga. Rancho <laughs> Cucamonga. <laughs> I'm from Whitefish, Montana. Getting introduced like boxing style. Hailing from <laughs> Rancho Cucamonga via Wolverhampton. <laughs> Oh dear. The... I mean, genuinely, genuinely, there's a lot of hyperbole around. Genuinely, one of the worst signings we've ever made. Yeah. Uh, not fit for the purpose. Uh, ludicrous that you sign. How on earth you pass a medical when you have a broken leg? I do not know. Didn't kick his first ball until well into November. Mm-hmm. Barely played once he came back. And. Mm-hmm. I think you were quite generous to say that he looked okay for a spell. I think basically looks like an absolute bomb scare all the time. Uh, Just a constant worry that he is going to do something stupid. He could, could get sent off. He could miss a header. Just, yeah, just a, just a, a historically bad signing in a summer, which we have to look back on with, you know, you have to sort of almost avert your gaze, how, horrific the summer was when in retrospect in terms of the signings that we made and how ill-fitted they were for the team the the choices that have been made are shocking and Shay Dunkley I think probably chief amongst them I mean Marriott was a gamble that didn't work out Shay Dunkley we should have known was not going to work out we were at the roulette table and they were saying sir there is not a yellow square you can't bet on yellow we were like yeah but put it all on yellow there's no, no way this can happen. It, it, it was a gamble that would never pay off. The odds were so stacked. How can we sign Andre Green in January, but Shay Dunkley, we're flipping, chomping at the bit with his broken leg in the summer. Yeah. Make him the first signing. B- bizarre, baffling. Mm. He's, he must have like compromising photos on Paxel or something. That's the only way to explain the fact that we jumped at the chance to sign him in the summer with a broken leg. Let him come back. Let him train with us. Let him prove his fitness. Sign him in January if he manages to get back to it. Number 24, Ezekiel Brown. Is he Brown? I've gone for a C minus. I mean, I, I just... Like, I I feel kind of quickly just chopping back to Shea Dunkley. Sometimes you're a bit like, I, how, much, how much the problem is on us for putting you in a position for you to perform yeah because you're not there for that position to perform Mm. so a little bit of izzy brown is a bit like he had a good spell at the beginning of the season it was very short very short-lived um you know but we did get some juice from izzy brown we have not put him in a place of success no regardless of where he is and regardless of his confidence and his abilities i think he's had a big drop in his confidence but I don't think that's helped by 
Tony Peel is bringing on up front for five minutes. Um, we yes. will probably remember his corner. But again, I can't believe we had a situation where we had a manager, like comments on the managers next week. One of the weaker moments of Darren Moore's reign was taking off Bannon at the end of the game. Yeah, bizarre. And then also, who was supposed to take the corner in that situation? Yeah. So it was a pretty bad corner, but... Mm-hmm. Izzy Brown went and stepped up in that situation. I mean, it was bad, but it's nice to see someone actually making an effort of standing up, of stepping up, stepping forward. Because maybe for better and worse, Izzy Brown has tried to do that in a time where, I don't know, a lot. Like I don't think that's the story of his Sheffield Wednesday career. Like I think there's plenty of times that I think he's been poor, which is why he's got a C minus. But that was a situation where he tried to step up and he didn't go missing. But I think Rich has said that we've developed a litany of previous Wednesday centre centre midfield signings. Players who go missing quite often. Yes, yeah. I think he's got a very lackadaisical attitude in the way of his play. So I don't think he's a player who is always just dying for the ball in that process. Um, But I, I think he's done more positive things with the ball when he's had it than he hasn't. I think he should have had more opportunities in, yeah. a, in a role that suited him. But I, I don't know. That's, that's again, I feel like it... I feel he's been poorly utilised. The disappointing thing for me is that, unfortunately, from those cameos, he's never showed anything that's made me think that we need to give him more of a chance, unfortunately, in those times. So it's, it's a two-way street, you know? Like, the, the responsibility is shared across Wednesday, Wednesday's managers and Izzy Brown in those situations. Yeah. We also got a sending off in an under-23 games in which we got mullered by the pigs. Yes. Which him and Kachunga turned up for. It's real mixed. It's a really mixed bag with him. I don't think... C-minus feels apt for me. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I think C-minus is, is, is a good call. Just such a patchy, patchy, strange time. Hmm. Involved in some of the good stuff, involved, you know, that what a start for him when he did that interception against Cardiff and put Windass through, and that was the great start to the season. But then he was in and out of the team after that, and he picked up an injury for weeks and weeks. And it's just, I'd be very interested to see what happens the rest of his career. I don't know where he goes from there. I know he's, a, yeah, I mean, 24. This is, this is, uh, this is when he needs to start shining. This is when it needs mm-hmm. to happen. And, uh, it, it, it felt like mentally he just crumbled at Wednesday. That's that's without knowing, without ever speaking to him, he just shrunk. And apparently he's out of contract at, at Chelsea. Apparently, yeah. I don't know who's. I don't know who would look at that year and sign Izzy Brown at any level. Yeah, no. Somebody will. One of the London. Make weight clubs will give him a contract, like Barnet. Yeah, somebody. South End. Uh, I, I hope I hope he can pick things up and do what I. I just don't know. I don't like so many of these players. I don't know how good he is. I didn't see enough. Mm. That's the thing with Dunkley. I don't know whether the bits we've seen are just. It's really hard to come back from a broken leg. We're going to have that with Luongo coming up. Um, it's a big serious injury he's had mm. um, sometimes you're never the same after those sort of injuries uh, but some of the some of the reviews weren't fantastic from Wigan when we signed him either 
uh, the, 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 the sort of bomb scare feel was something that they did kind of get across. With Izzy Brown, he was he seemed to have had a good season at Luton, but Luton fans didn't rate him. And I think maybe having watched him, albeit not very many times for Wednesday, I can kind of understand that. I can see how yeah. he's probably effective yeah. in moments, but he goes hiding for long, long periods of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, best of luck to him. I don't want him anywhere near Wednesday, but best of luck to him uh, yep. in the future. Yep. <laughs> Big Cam, Cameron Dawson. Um, going for an E for Cameron Dawson. Yeah, yeah, truly. I'm so sad he has so many years left on his contract. He looks done. I don't know what the solution is. I think, I think he's just bad. We need to, what I'd do if I could, I'd probably sign two keepers and see if he can go out on loan somewhere. Yeah. And I'd just be like, someone's like, I can offer you like two bags of Haribo. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Brilliant. Snatch your hand off at that, mate. Yeah. I'd ask I would if, just one I'd bag ask if it's, I'd, I would, I, I would want two bags of Haribo a week. To be fair. Oh, okay. I would take one of those little party bag-sized things of Haribo ever. That would be enough, I think. Oh, I don't know where he comes back from this. I, I just, I think his confidence is ruined. Yeah. I, there's, um, we're going to need a pretty, well, I think we're going to need a, a, a new squad of sports psychologists for a lot of these players. And a, and a, 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 now we're adding a long-term injury on top of things as well, aren't we? He's had a long-term injury. I, I haven't really given that much of a focus because because Rich, he's shit and I don't care about him. <laughs> but, you know, if you add all, all of the things we've spoken about for a couple of players about long-term injuries on top of that being your start point, um, it really is really is the, the cherry nugget of poo on top of the poo cake. Mm. Uh, in terms of Cameron Dawson and his uh, future career. And I'm so glad that we've got another, is it another three years of yep. uh, his yep. company? He's, uh... Fantastic. I know. Fantastic. What a fantastic decision. What a brilliant, oh, handing out those big whopping contracts. Uh, that's what you want to do. Um, I'm just imagining like, we can just set up a camera or we can just like do as we can do a bit where we just cut from the podcast to see what Cameron Dawson's doing. And it's just going to be him just being paid a nice salary to sit at home, eating cocoa pops, nearly choking, laughing, laughing at SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> That's what Cameron Dawson's doing right now, folks. We're, we're paying, we're basically we're paying him to do videos where he gets angry at foreigners for not being able to speak Yorkshire. That's what we're doing from now on. <laughs> I feel like we're going to pay summit. Him. Summit. Say it properly. Say it properly. Or don't bother at all. I feel like we're paying him for him to learn how to floss, like you know the dance move. <laughs> he's just going to be working on TikTok all the time. That's all he's going to be doing. <laughs> rubbish. Bloody rubbish. Oh, dear me. Um, Liam Shaw. Uh, I went for something a little bit high. I think I'm going to upgrade him to a B. Oof. I but I I initially went B minus. I'm going to be honest. I think maybe he's in the hinterland between B minus and B. Maybe be generous mm-hmm. and be B and be like, thanks, Liam. See ya. Have a good time at Celtic. Go have some go have some deep fried pizza for me. <laughs> uh, pizza crunch. 
I feel like he's been taken off in a police van and I'm just going to like knock on the side of it be like, you know, for like, take him away, boys. <laughs> do you, I think, you're, I think that's a fair rating because what you have to try and do is take your feelings about him leaving and all the rest of it out of it and just look at the sort of season he's had. And as 20 years old, making his breakthrough, we've had some really good performances. I don't think we've had any bad performances. There have been some anonymous ones but if this was if he was 20 years old and then about to go into like another year or two with Wednesday I feel pretty excited about the prospect of Liam Shaw Mm. and the unfortunate thing is he's not our prospect anymore he's going to be Celtic's prospect so uh, best of luck to him I mean given the fact that uh, 407 year old uh, Jermaine Defoe is still bagging goals up there. I I expect Liam Shaw to probably get about 70 goals next season. So it's going to be he- pretty heady times for him. So best of luck. <laughs> oh, I think that's He's just a drowning in pizza thing. crunch. It's a difficult thing to look back on Liam Shaw because it felt like it was such an explosion of mm. quality in about four or five games. Yes. And then there's the nature of the the contract talk. Is he going to sign? Is he going to extend? And then he goes. And then basically it's like it's like he's done at that point. Yeah. And mentally, I I yeah, felt yeah. mentally he was done, and professionally he's done. So there's it, a weird thing of being like, well, why don't we play Liam Shaw? And it's like, well, he's not really ours to play anymore. You yeah. know, like it, it it the the only benefit felt like from playing Liam Shaw became like. It's a B minus. I'm, I'm, I'm. While I'm talking about this, I'm downgrading to a B minus, um, yeah. because it's just like it's not, it's not about us anymore. It's not about how good are we developing Liam Shaw to play for Sheffield Wednesday. It's no. about are we giving opportunities to develop Liam Shaw for him to get a bit more of an education before he disappears to to Celtic. Yeah, yeah. And that was the thing. That you was the narrative. And depressingly, at sometimes it's like I don't know. Can Liam Shaw play a game because? Your options were crap. Like I would have thought that in defence. Yeah. Well, I'm still not convinced he's not a better centre back than he is a midfielder. I think he's probably a better centre back than he is a midfielder. Yeah. Mm. And weirdly, his worst position out of the ones we've seen him in is like a defensive midfielder. He seems to be a better like link up attacking was, midfielder yeah. than he is a a more defensive midfielder. So yeah, I mean, it's tinged with a bit of sadness. I think. B, yeah, B, B minus there or thereabouts is, is fair. Um, I'm staggered. I, I, this just, uh, I suppose it's been a long, grueling season, but I'm amazed to find out that uh, Dominic Iorfa played 10 league matches for us this year. Um, wow. He's up next. Oh, man. Including, okay. if you remember, the bizarre Tony Poulis uh, invention of him being a midfielder. That was a great game. Yeah, this is a difficult thing. There's like yeah, just such a a long season and a lot of anonymity. I mean, with Liam Shaw, you know, he got like an assist and he scored a scored a decent goal in the league. Yeah, and then he did that amazing assist at Exeter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The one where he ran the length of the length of the pitch, took it to the corner, pulled in. It was like it's like when you've got pro ev and you've got a player who's got ninety nine pace and yes. you're just yes. burning players around just as a little kind of toys. And you know, to him to put it on a, you know, put it on a dish for Callum Patterson to score. Oh, lovely, lovely platter, and pulled the pulled the cloche off. Pulled the cloche off, indeed. Yeah, Monsieur, Monsieur, your steak tartare. 
So, you know, he had an episode where we talked about me and you having a grotty, grotty little gropey feel of Liam <laughs> Shaw. <laughs> and then segue to Dominic Iorfa, who we... Did we have an episode where we called Dominic Iorfa's Monster Truck Tires? I think so, yes, we did. We did, because no, he just... We talked about it anyway, but I think we did call it that as well. That was brilliant. That was a great performance. That was against... Was that against Norwich? Oh, I had it up before. Well, so supposedly he played defensive midfield against Norwich. Yep. And, and then he played great... central centre midfield against somebody else. Let me just pull it mm. up. Against... I think he was the second, second game artist, didn't he? Barnsley played centre midfield against Barnsley, apparently. Mm. Yeah, second game artist in that one. Um, <laughs> but that performance in Norwich was was great. And that was yeah. that was a good moment for a game that we lost, that we should have won. Because yeah. we were really good that day. That was a re- that was we a great really performance that was, under. That Puma. was up there with best performance of the season, really. It was that that the two Cardiff games, Rochdale, Exeter, oh, yeah, all your all the hits, all the all the big ones, <laughs> all, the all big your favourites. <laughs> We've got all your favourite flavours. All the tenth singles from Girls Aloud and Everyone Boy Band. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, that was. I mean, that was a, that was an interesting development, and then cut to the quick by uh, by a very serious injury. So I just, well, I hope he comes back fit and well. I mean, undoubtedly, he's one of our best players, and mm. he'll either be a saleable asset if he's if he gets fit in time for the summer, or you know, people are always clamouring to sign people after leg breaks, aren't they? They're really excited to do that it's a good it's a good idea and a sensible approach it's just like stocks right it's just it's down it's a yeah. perfect time to hop on it'll only bounce back up again exactly if you never sell a person with broken leg you never lose or something like that uh is there much more to say about i offer not probably not no, really. i think a c is pretty good i think he's maybe been better than that but it's difficult because so much what if. So much what if and so much time in the injury table. Top 40 Joe, Joe Wildsmith. Come for a C- minus for Joe Wildsmith. He's, he's been... the best of our bad goalkeepers. He's the best. He's definitely the best of the bad goalkeepers. We had one all right goalkeeper and two bad goalkeepers, and he's the better one of the bad goalkeepers. Mm, and he's out of contract sooner than Cameron Dawson. Which makes me like him more. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'll even forgive that haircut. Yeah. Terrible Barnet. Average season, average goalkeeper. He's had a few uh, decent moments. Yeah. He's a he's not actively incompetent, which is unfortunately where Cameron Dawson seems to have uh, landed at the moment in his career. Uh we've had a few appearances from Alex Hunt. I'm guessing that of the five, most of them were in the or a, a good chunk were in the cup. Yeah, three three uh, league appearances from from Alex Hunt. We had high hopes for uh, little Alex. Have we seen anything to bear them out? We had high apple pie in the sky hopes, didn't we? We did. I don't know. I, I don't know. Don't know if Wednesday's a good club to develop at. I wonder if it's. I don't know if it's a good season. It's got not a good situation. There's no great stability. Um, we're fortunately at the level where I don't know. Again, I feel like we probably could have seen more more opportunities for a number of players in that third kind of centre mid berth. You know, 
He also had his thunder stolen by Shaw, didn't he? Yeah. By virtue of the fact that Shaw's six foot four or whatever, that meant Tony Pulis came in and his eyes lit up. And Alex Hunt is knee high to a grasshopper. He's knee high to a grasshopper, so presumably Tony Pulis didn't speak to him or look at him um, because he wasn't worthy of his time. I'm imagining when... When Tony Poulis first laid eyes on Liam Shaw, he probably, like a cartoon dog, his eyes turned into hearts and his feet came off the ground as he floated towards him. (laughs) You are like clay. I will mould you. (laughs) Kieran Brennan? Oh, Kieran Brennan, Brennan played, right? He, he did. He did. Apparently. Okay, he's not on my list, but oh no, he's just in the cup. Just in the cup. Do we want? Do we want to just skip no, him over? Let's not. Let's skip him over that. Yeah, let's just do league. Give these cup losers. <laughs> Take that. Take that, Kieran Brennan. You matter so little to us. Is that so? We're just left with. Uh, is it Kachunga's the last man standing? Kachunga, Kachunga. Yeah, squad number forty-five. Kachunga. Right. The Nando show. Yep, squad number 45. Bizarrely, squad number 45. He's the got Nando another number. year left as well. Has he? I thought it was just a year yeah, for Kachunga. We've got two years. Wow. Okay. I think so. Oh, no, well, I don't know. Oh, so, what are we going to do? saying contract expires now. So, okay. What are we going to do with Alex Hunt, by the way? Oh, Hunt. Sorry. Yeah. Would you give him another year? I feel like I would. If it was Tony Pulis, I'd say absolutely not. I think Moore might be able to find a spot for him. He's he's looked decent to me more often than not. He's a guy that's it's he's. I don't remember him doing having a bad game. I think he's probably earned the right to have a little go at it. It's he's another victim of this kind of inertia that we go. Well, we might as well pick Pelopesi because it's better the devil you know even though it's a pretty shabby devil. And Alex Hunt might be a really good devil, given half a chance. Is uh, he, Clearly, he's Bannon's protege. True. And you can see Bannon, like, chats to him after games and chats to him at halftime and things like that. Like, he's Bannon's taking him under his wing, which is really good and uh, a nice thing to see. But it will... It, it's hard for Alex Hunt because you've got to be looking at it going, well, it's probably only room for one Barry Bannon in this uh, team. So... <laughs> Whilst that guy's still here and playing every game, I'm probably not getting on the pitch very often. That's kind of like he's like Bannon's understudy in a yeah. you know, way to play. But like, if Bannon's not I'm playing, we'll just play someone else. Needs to push Barry Bannon down the stairs. <laughs> oh dear! Get his chance to get his moment. Yeah. <laughs> to very athletically make love to Kyle McLaughlin, whatever his name is, in the swimming pool. Kyle McLaughlin. Carl yeah. McLaughlin, that's right. I went in so confidently, Luke. I was, I felt like I didn't really know what the second name was, but I felt like if I went at it fast enough, like a yellow, like an amber light, a, a traffic light, I thought I'd get it if I, <laughs> if, if I approached with enough confidence. But it didn't. It didn't happen. It didn't come. Anyway, <laughs> what would you do with him? Give him another year. I'd give him another year. Yeah. What the hell? What the heckins? Okay, so Kachunga, according to Transfermarkt, has uh, is, is, is his contract is up. This is it. So what did you make of, so far, his only season at Hillsborough and maybe his only season ever? The 
Sí, sí, sí. Sí, sí, sí. Sí, señor. Sí, sí, Baroni. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea how good he is as a football player because he barely plays. I'd like to see a little, a little bit more of him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's so many players in the pile of why why didn't we just try it sometimes? A few more times, yeah. A few more times. For some people, there's endless patience and chances. And for so many players, there is w- one chance to perform. And if you don't do it, you're you know, down at the bottom of the well. Uh, I don't really understand that mindset, but it's carried through four different managers this season people have to be given the enough you know patience and understanding to occasionally make mistakes and and find their way in things and it's just strange that yes for some people it's endless boundless fields of green fields of patience that they can stumble their way through and for other folks it's just a very very short road um, yeah, who knows? I, w- I wouldn't mind him staying. I wouldn't mind if that's it. Um, he probably should have done better than he did, I think, overall. But he also didn't get as many chances as he should have had. Well, there we go. A long, exhaustive uh, run through all of the players that played for Wednesday in the league this season. No S's and no A's. Who's your who's your player of the year then, Luke? Spider Bannon. Yeah, it's got to be. But when I was doing the ratings, I was like, Liam Palmer's pretty good, isn't he? Palmer's a good shout. Windass is a good shout. Windass is a good shout as well. But Bannon's the guy, definitely. Bannon's the man. Bannon's the man. Mirror, mirror on the wall. What is the best brand for my balls? Manscaped, of course. Hold up. Is that a nose pube? Good thing our partners at Manscaped are here to ensure you're taking care of your manhood and your nose hairs with a new performance package. I don't know about you, Rich, but I, I had a work colleague who I, I, had, I thought he was great. I thought he was a great guy, a uh, bit of an elderly gentleman, but every time I talked to him, what I wish I could have done is brought some kind of grooming scissors and just mm-hmm. reached over and took a big chop off of his lengthy ear bush that he had there. Mm-hmm. And I also I don't know about you, but I, I'm a man who you know sometimes likes to pick my nose. And sometimes I, you know, sometimes pull out some hairs from my nose and I'm thinking there's got to be a better way than this of just it's, really painfully extricating those hairs. It's a literally eye-watering experience, isn't it? It really is. Well, it's great that Manscaped has this performance package. It's the ultimate immense hygiene. So it, it, it includes the in this new package, the weed whacker for your ear and nose hair trimming. It's waterproof. It uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360 degrees rotary dual-blade system. Wowzers. And I mean, uh, that stuff that has that uh, fantastic, much like the the ball trimming package, um, which is the lawnmower, the nose and hair trimmer, it's got that propriety skinscape technology, which means you're going to prevent those nick snags and tugs in those delicate holes. And, you know, all of these areas are very delicate holes, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) absolutely 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff so you've got to deal with this and why not use the best tools for the job that's right Uh, the bundle that we mentioned includes a lawnmower 3.0 trimmer the best trimmer in the market for your balls butt and body 
And it's time to turn that Gooch into Gucci with Manscaped. And let's not forget their famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine. Yeah, that's right. You can get the performance package now to receive the two free gifts, and that's the Manscaped Boxes and the Shed Travel Bag, which is a lovely bag, I must say. Also, you receive a replaceable braid every three months to keep your weed whacking and lawn mowing time clean and enjoyable. The performance package is the best value that Manscaped has to offer. It's 20% off and free shipping if you use the code GRAVYBALLS at manscaped.com. And you can thank Manscaped for making your holes look sexy. That's right, folks. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code GRAVYBALLS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code GRAVYBALLS. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds and make sure your balls look great during the process. <laughs> so we, uh, Sheffield Wednesday, in a fairly unique position to have had four managers over the previous season, each of them getting between 10 and 14 games uh, as a sort of trial run at being the manager. And it puts us in the unique position where we can kind of assess the managers and give them grades as well, Luke. So are you excited to be in this position? Not really, no. I think it's... uh, And also, hilariously, we must say that six individuals have taken the touchline duties. Um, we can't really, oh. we will exclude Andy Holdsworth and Jamie Smith from this purpose mm. um, for the sake of our reviews. I guess if we yes. had to, then the best the best managerial reign of those would be Andy Holdsworth, who has 100% Absolutely. record. Absolutely. So we're in a position where Monk started the season, had 14 matches, won five of them, 18 points and a goal difference of minus two. And over the season, if if Monk had been in charge and, and kept that rate up, we would have finished 20th with our, our six-point deduction. Uh, then Tony Pulis came in. Actually, should we do them one at a time? Is that going to be easier? Rather than me just do a stat bomb and then <laughs> leave you to pick through the detritus? <laughs> sure, let's do it that way. Yeah. So Monk... <laughs> If you split Monk's reign into sort of three thirds, so you've got kind of the first run at things, the post-COVID last season, and then the start of this season, probably, obviously his best chunk was the the pre-Christmas chunk of of last season. Do you think that this chunk, the chunk of this season was better than the tail end of last year? Maybe only just? I think you have to say yes. You feel your diarrhea running or really, really running? <laughs> I, I genuinely think it was. I mean, what, like five wins out of 14? Yeah. That's a hell of a lot better than what we saw from the tail end of last season, or the season before this one, I should say. Yeah, points. So points per match, 1.2 points per match was his, uh, mm. his average rating. So it's the best goal difference of any of the four managers. And it, over the course of a season, if if those if those levels had held up, we would have we would have seen a safe at least, which isn't the case for a couple of the the, the four. He he had joint longest in charge with with more, but obviously, as you say, more more, uh, more wins. Yeah, interest. So so Monk, if you had to give him a grade, where where would you where would you grade 
Koi, Koi Gaz. It's interesting because it's, it's difficult to kind of, um, everything has been so kind of patched together. It's like a patchwork quilt of mediocrity, which yes. is kind of really run on from the beginning of the 2019-2020 season. Effectively, mm. it's it's been weird with these breaks. We've not had time to kind of switch off. So it's funny that the tail end of that season, which just felt performative, really. I mean, we, uh, I can see barely. the argument. Barely in our case. Barely in our case. I know exactly. But that, that's probably the difficulty of what it was, that it just felt, it felt so needless at the time. Yeah. And I still look back and it, it still feels a bit needless other than the fact that it's like, for a lot of people within this league and for other leagues as well, there's a feeling of a need to complete the season. Yeah. But it just felt idiotic. It felt barbaric. I don't think it was handled very well. No. It just the endless wait to see what would happen. You know, this kind of reminded me of, like, I think this has probably happened at a lot of places. I think a lot of people have working have, have had to kind of abandon what they were working on. And then with the caveat of saying, well, you know, we've got to come back, we've, we've got to reevaluate, but we can't think about this right now because we don't know what the situation is. But there's yeah. a certain mentality for a lot of people to say in the beginning, which is 20, you know, hindsight is 2020, but there were people wondering whether this thing would be over in a number of weeks. Yeah, it could be stopped at any point. That was a kind of hanging, looming threat. We were also in the position where we didn't, we knew we had this punishment coming and we didn't know what that was going to turn out as mm-hmm. so we kind of had double double sword of damocles hanging over our, our season not a lovely position to be in um and yeah as you say you couldn't shake the feeling that maybe maybe this is something that didn't need to happen a lot of leagues just took the promoted teams or or they did some sort of points you know points tally um averaged out over a season points per game which we we didn't do we played all those matches so <laughs> the thing is when monk left mm. i think we were all pleased i think the general feeling was he'd failed he had maybe a decent group of players and he wasn't getting the results out of them mm. he has that i think the expectations are much higher for the beginning of the season so i still think it's viewed as a failure well that's the thing i think now is like well does the the fact that three other managers I were generally performed worse than him. Mm-hmm. Does that tell us that actually it was a bad squad or did he leave us just in such a bad way that nobody could turn the ship around? How much blame do we place at the foot of Gary Monk's door? Yeah. Mm. I suppose that's the interesting thing, isn't it? As you, as you look at the season overall. It's interesting. I'm just, cause I'm kind of going through. So he was, so when was he, when was he fired again? <laughs> 14 games in. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think it was 14 games. Or league no? games, I guess. Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, I don't think it was 14 league games. Because he, he was, was he here for the draw against Millwall at home? Let's have a look. The first game of um, Pulis's reign was away at Preston, wasn't Monk it? Monk was, Mil- was manager at Millwall. Right, so that was his last game. And then Pulis was in against Preston. Yeah. Okay, so that's 11 games. So that's 11 games in the league. Which is okay, yeah. three wins, three wins, and so three draws. Games a bit is a bit skewed there, isn't it? Yeah, that is that is four losses. No, five losses. 
the hell's going on with my stats here? I'm completely off with my stats. I apologize for this. It's three draws. Three wins, three draws, five losses. Okay. Okay. So we win away at Cardiff. Great result. We were home to Watford. We were a little bit unfortunate not to get something more than a draw. Uh, we were very poor away against Bristol. That's where we lost our first game of the season. We were home to QPR. That's where we conceded the really last-minute stoppage time equalizer from Macaulay Barn. Yeah. Um, that's the game we should have won. We went away, and then there was the Munger Derby away at Birmingham, which we won. Munger Derby, yes. Um, we lost on TV at home to Brentford, which is kind of predictable. I think that was a fairly decent performance. Then there was a period that really screwed us, which was losing at home to Luton, getting absolutely, just, just getting the spines ripped out of us by Rotherham. Yeah. Or more us ripping our own spines in the face of yes. Rotherham. Yeah. And then there was a really pathetic, desperate attempt to lose away at Wickham. And then we had the fortunate win against a very poor Bournemouth side, 1-0. And then I yeah. genuinely can't remember much about that uh, <laughs> midweek home normal draw against Millwall as, you know, no. as, as many people can't, as many people typically can't <laughs> kind of dull goalless draws against Millwall. So I think it was that period. I think when the panic button was starting to get hit was, oh, we're playing tough teams. But when we get to that spell of Luton, Rotherham, Wickham, we'll pick up nine points. Mm. We'll be fine, basically. That will be us on our way to safety. We'll sort of not look back. But the, to lose, not not only not like to, you know, maybe draw one or, one of them, but win the others. We just lost all three. Mm. That's when it it's like something has, this is just, all is not right in the state of Denmark. You know, something needs to happen mm-hmm. here. So anyway, going back to rating, it's difficult to kind of chop that up from the end of the nineteen twenty season, the long protracted. 1920 season coming to this one we're doing you know a fair bit of surgery but not enough surgery on the squad not enough yeah. signings or not enough of the right signings and unfortunately not be able to get out some of those players that you know would like to to help make more signings i think you have to give it about a c minus because i think there are positives but ultimately it, it's just that damning four game losing streak is is just awful yeah yeah uh, uh, and <laughs> Maybe looking at the table afterwards, you know, why did we think we'd beat Luton? Luton turned out to be a decent side. Mm. But we didn't know that at the time. Certainly we should have, you know, Wickham and Rotherham were right down in the mud with us. So we, we, <laughs> those were games that we would have hoped to have done better than we did out of. Um, legitimately ho- hoped, would have hoped we'd done better than we did. Typical Wednesday thing of beating Bournemouth, which ahead of time you would have thought would be a very difficult game. Mm-hmm. Millwall is Millwall. They're just so awful and nasty to play at any time. So Tony Tony Pulis came up next. Not a popular appointment overall, generally. Certainly not a popular appointment on our podcast. Of all the names mentioned through the years at Wednesday, he's always been somebody I really, really disliked as being linked to. Uh, always pleased that it wasn't him. And unfortunately, that, that was very sad when we when we bit the bullet and, and went for it with with uh, Pulis in charge. Mm-hmm. What what do you make it? So, so in terms of stats, cautiously <laughs> step into this situation. Um, he had 10 matches in charge. We got mm-hmm. one four draws, five losses, a minus six goal difference, seven points 
gained. Uh, the maths is nice and easy when you only have 10 games in charge. So 0.7, 0.7. points <laughs> per game. That's a 10% win record. It is, yeah. Over the season, that only would give us 26 points. So we would we would have been in a much... We would have finished last much more comfortably than we did. Thoughts on uh, on the Pulis era? The Pulis era, the Tony Pulis episode um, for different gravy stats is our most downloaded episode. Yeah. Which is really depressing. Only the third. Which really, really kind of sums up some of the mediocrity, A, of the Sheffield Wednesday season and B, probably of our podcast as well. So <laughs> but there we go. So we started with uh, Westwood being returned, where he did a bit of a deep slice. Yes. Did a few deep slices in the game away at Preston for the first loss. And uh, um, Liam Shaw getting sent off. Uh, that was Windass. Was it Windass that game? It was Windass. That was Windass that game. Oh, really? uh, there was a later game. It's normally Liam Shaw getting sent it's off. It's normally Liam Shaw getting sent off. <laughs> we seem to get the, the juice from the uh, the Tony Pulis set-piece kind of plays with a goal away at yes. Swansea. That was a nice goal for Adam Reach. That was a one-all draw. Then we drew it home at Stoke, which I've completely stricken from my memory. I remember that being a very, very bad game of football. Oh, terrible. It's uh, as the if I was a, a token media commentator, I'd say it's not one for the football purists. <laughs> it's not one for football fans with working eyeballs. That's true. We then drew, oh, we then drew at home against Reading. That's yeah. the one that Liam Shaw got sent off. And that's one which probably felt a little bit unfair because we felt the uh, <clears throat> the Shaw sending off probably changed the game a little bit. And that was a good, I mean, that was a good result. It was a good draw. Reading were flying mm-hmm. high. Mm-hmm. They were scoring, like, often getting four or five goals a game. You know, mm-hmm. that's when um, Lucas Schwer was really you know, um, thumbing his nose in our direction uh, with his mm-hmm. form and we were feeling you know very hurt by the fact he'd gone he was wearing another team's blue and white stripes um that was a good draw to hold on there that was pretty incredible we got lucky a couple of times Mm, mm -hmm. but um that was something we then went away to one of the better performances this season yes i think the best losing performance we can definitely say away at norwich which just felt incredibly harsh that we Conceded two goals in three minutes to lose that one from being 1-0 up. A rare, occasion, a rare obviously, occasion for possibly, I think, yes, the only Sheffield Wednesday game of the 2020-21 season that had an attendance. Because oh, yes. It was during that period of, yeah. you know, if there's so few cases of COVID in your district, then we you can have... We pretended that some places were safe for a week so that, yeah... Exactly. So London had like twice the rates of anywhere else, but all of the London clubs got to have a game with some. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So 2,000 people attended, not including the Wednesday fans who turned up in the hotel, which was fantastic, as we all remembered. That That was pretty fantastic. The game after that, I think we were kind of buoyed by thinking that maybe we would slightly try and turn a corner on the Pulis. And then it was just one of the most gutless. Appearance of the season where we lost, we lost at home to sorry, lost away at Huddersfield, two nil and could have been three nil. Performances where we were pretty unlucky. We were sort of like 
six minutes of madness away from a very fine result mm-hmm. against top of the table, all conquering Norwich. And then the next game, you're like, oh, this is going to be great. We're building something. And then mm-hmm. rubbish, the worst of all performances, mm. possibly. Then we lost at home to Barnsley. That was the early kind of clangor from their keeper that allowed Windus to nip in. and then, yes. But then we conceded twice from there, so we lost that one. Then that's the one we lost away at the next game to Forest 2-0. That's the grab in 87th minute, Mozart Abajo high five. Oh, yes. As we remember. Then that came on to the 19th of December, which was our only win. Tom Lee's yeah. bagging in our only win against Coventry City at home. And then that must have been, I think the last the last game was, was the last game Boxing Day? Uh, yes, I believe so. And that was away at Blackburn, which we drew one all again. And again gave up an, a, a, an early lead. Exactly. Reach, much like the Swansea game, reached bagging first, but we conceded to draw one all. Well, that that was that was sort of the ironic thing, wasn't it? Because we hit, so we had you you employ Tony Pulis, who's got this reputation of a certain style of management, and against Swansea we score first, but don't we, but but draw against Reading we score first and draw against Norwich we score first and lose against Barnsley we score first and lose. You know, like we weren't even yeah. getting good yeah. good Pulis. We were just. We were just as bad, if not worse, <laughs> results-wise, and the so it was so painful to watch. Awful. Mm. I tried to coin the phrase "pulisibo effect." It didn't take off in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> and I think that's why we had to get rid of him. Really, you know, I think we'd given it our best shot as a fan base, mm-hmm. as a club. <laughs> so it's weird that I mean, it, it's. There's a lot of poor moments there. There's a lot of very anonymous games of football, which we lost and surrendered in various degrees. It felt like moments that there were kind of glimmers of something positive about to happen. The big unknown with Tony Pulis is, would we have got some of his familiar faces in the door in January and managed to cobble together enough work-a-day performances to, to get over the line? That's the big thing, isn't it? Because he, from the moment he stepped through the door, he was focused on January and a chance to change things around. And maybe he wouldn't have been able to do anything. Maybe he would have only been able to sign Andre Green, which is the only business that we did that window. But if he'd managed to get some of his, I don't know, I mean, he's one of these managers, a bit like Harry Redknapp, who signs the same, like, six of the same 10 players for yes. every single club. Yeah. It's Do you know what will solve this, says Harry Redknapp? It's Nico uh, Cranchar. Nico Cranchar and Jermaine Defoe will solve this. Yes, yeah. And I'll cast an admiring glance in Peter Crouch's direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you're going to have to give him... It's going to have to be an F. Yeah. A terrible failed experiment. Yeah, yeah. Just, At every level. I'd be staggered if we if we got as many points... If, if we got as, you know, I'm saying that from a negative perspective, if we got as many points, if we stuck with Monk for that period, like we would have got more. Yeah, basically. That's, what I'm, that's what I'm trying to say, you know. Yeah. And I think <laughs> with all the bad feeling and turmoil within the club and the fan base as well, it just added fuel to that fire. 
in a really unhelpful way, I think. Mm-hmm. So then ne- next up, we had Thompson in caretaker charge, but ironically in caretaker charge for just as long as uh, Pulis was in charge. So he had he had 10 games. We got four wins and six losses, no draws. Uh, the exact same goal difference at minus six and uh, 12 points amassed, 1.2 points per match. So the best of any of the, the managers this season. Mm-hmm. If he'd been in charge over the whole of the season, that would have been 49 points, which would have seen us in 20th place. So the best finish of any of the managers, if if you stretch it out over the course of the season. was Is that, I mean, is it is it a... A shot to nothing because you're the caretaker. He doesn't have any real history as a manager. What? How seriously can you take it as a contender in the in the season, or do you just take it on face value and and say this weirdly in this awful season it was as good as it got, and maybe we maybe you could have got till the end of the season. And that was tough. I don't know. It just it feels it's such a disastrous sequencing of managers. I think overall that's what you've got to yes. look at. Like it's, I think, uh, in different managers in different places and time. Like it's, it's been a disastrous run of Doctor Who's. Rich, <laughs> it's like saying they're all the Doctor, but they're just all the worst Doctors. <laughs> it's that guy from the nineties, or I can't remember who. I want to his name. His name is Rufus Sewell, but it's not. It's not Rufus Sewell. You know what I mean? Sylvester yeah, McCoy. Is that his know. name? I don't know much Doctor Who, to be honest. But is it Sylvester McCoy? Is that his name? Sylvester McCoy was, was one of them. I know that much. He was a bit of a middle-of-the-road, crap 90s Doctor. It, it sounds likely. I think people like Sylvester McCoy, but who knows? We were in need of a Tom Baker, and what we had was not Tom Baker. That's fair enough to say. Yes. Yeah, very much so. But um, the... He did an all-time great to, to fashion this, like, bag of potatoes and a box of bits of string and the three buttons that we had in our pocket that, that make up this squad uh, to fashion it into something that was workable. <laughs> it really needed somebody special. Fergie at his peak, and we didn't get anything like that. But it, it makes you wonder, like, we never had a period previous to, because it was Monk and Pulis, there wasn't even a game. It wasn't like we got a game or two of the caretaker manager. No. Like, we never had that. Like, it was a very bold, it was an incredibly bold chess move opening from from Dejvan Chanseri. It was, it was. One that was attacking in its, in its sense, but yet incredibly defensive at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> in terms smooth. of chess moves, it was sort of taking out your own queen somehow. Making a pawn jump backwards diagonally to take out your own queen, and then looking <laughs> incredibly smooth with yourself. <laughs> so that's the thing. It's like there's there's so many hindsight. We're being wise after the event. Obviously, that's what we do here. That's the point of the podcast, almost <laughs> to a certain degree. And we try and have a caveat to say, look, we we know we're doing this, but it's just it's one it's. It just feels disastrous that, like, just such poor timing for all managers. Pulis was incredibly disappointing for what we thought he would do. He didn't even do the basics of what we thought no. he would yeah. do. And, I mean, we tried to put be as positive about it as possible when he was announced, really, because it's like, this is what we're dealt with. And it's like, okay. And we felt we would probably try and get some clean sheets. but Well, that's I think that's it. I think Monk had... <laughs> 
expectations are so, so low under Monk that the prospect of grinding out a few results and looking at least hard to beat felt <laughs> felt like it might be slightly better. It felt like a vast improvement, yeah. Yeah, then, you know, when a game turned against us, it was almost guaranteed to be three, four goals for the opposition. Being hard to beat and hard to score against felt like a big step up. But mm. we didn't get that. We got this broken, moany Tony Pulis that didn't do anything, really. Didn't get any, make any imprint, mm. really on the players or the team. But I, I felt it real a glimmer to go back to looking at Patterson at that time. It felt yeah. like a real shot in the arm. And it, it felt like such a basic kind of back-to-basics approach of just saying, let's try and do the best that we can with the limited resources we have at the football club. Yeah. That's what it all felt like at the time. With Pulis, it's like, th- these players are bad. These, you know, these professionals cannot professional. That's what it, it kind of seemed to kind of say, basically. And then... Yeah, first, cool. first two, first two off the block, we beat Middlesbrough at home, two one, yeah. and, and then got a very gritty, great win against Derby at the time on New Year's Day. And to really, although we're not counting them, but to the the game against Exeter added to that same feeling of kind of euphoria and uh, mm. maybe good things were happening. That was that was Liam Shaw's star mm-hmm. performance, the best performance of his young career. Um, still to date and had that tremendous uh, chance that he set up for Patterson as well as looking very, very formidable as a centre-back. Mm-hmm. And oh. then, I mean, moving on from there, then we had a bad performance away at Coventry. I can't remember the home win against Preston. No. Whoever remembers many games against Preston North End, to be fair. That was then followed by the midweek away win at Bournemouth, which was fantastic. That was the last-minute Rhodes header. Looking at the season... The mm. only reason we had any chance come the end was that period of that early Thompson period. Very much so. Very much so. And it, you know, because we're looking at that now in terms of league games, you've got basically, well, let's say, let's just pick the ones where we've kind of won and, and wrap it in the little, little granites of dirt and shit that's in this, <laughs> which is the, um, the away loss against Coventry, which was pretty poor. Mm. And the absolute uh, capitulation to Millwall, where we were, again, that's the worst of going ahead. Patterson scored in the 10th minute. We conceded four. That was was awful. But to look at that, that's seven games, five wins out of seven, 15 out of a possible 21. I mean, how many points did we end up with again? Uh, I've got that on one of my tabs. (laughs) 41. (laughs) 41 points in total. 41 points. And that's like, that's nearly half the points. Or a third of the points if, you know, 47. Yeah. We, 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 we won 47 points, didn't we? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so in seven of the games, we got a third of the points, which if you times it out by three, isn't even half the season. No. So that's that's pretty huge going. It is. Um, I mean, going on from there, what else have we got? We've got... After that game, you know, the, the kind of midweek, very bread and butter home win against Wickham. That's what it felt like on a pretty yeah, pretty grim snowy evening at Hillsborough. We lost away at Stoke, you know, uh, Fletcher bagged in that one. Then there was a home loss against Birmingham where um, that was that was a bit gutting. 
Yeah. We then went and kind of capitulated. Yeah, we then went away and capitulated against Brentford. And then and then there's the last game of his reign, the staggering loss against Luton. And that half was as good as we've probably looked all season, that first half, but we used up any morsel of energy we had and just lay there and took Mm. it in the second half. Mm -hmm. The fact that we couldn't even cling from 2 0 up, we couldn't even cling on to to keep a point is is pretty dreadful uh, management and game management within the game. It's funny because, I mean, again, you're looking at that. I mean, it's not quite the story of the end of the last days of Gary Monk, but it's similar because there's two games there at home to Birmingham, in amidst the four, away at Stoke could be anything, away at Brentford. It's pretty much a hiding to nothing. Yeah. You know, no surprise we got zero points from Brentford this season. That's to be expected. But again, we're we're away at Luton. And again, it's two games where it's like we've got we should be at least getting <laughs> we should be at least getting three points. Yes. Uh, yeah. games, and we've got nothing. Absolutely nothing. So it's it's again, it's a it's the same situation that happened with Gary Monk, is that that tail end was very, very damning for him. But uh, I mean, over the course of a season, that would have been that mixture of losses and wins, everything kind of everything or nothing, mm. probably would have seen us safe. Same with Gary Monk. Same with Gary Monk. The overall caution of the other two would have left us short over the course of a season. Mm-hmm. It's sort of interesting. It's you know in terms of the way you look, the way the game gets approached. Um, what, so grade wise, what are you thinking for uh, for Tomol? Tomol, I think it's um, it's a B minus. Oof, yeah, nice. I, I think that's fair enough. It's uh, these, yeah, this was the good bit of a very bad season. Yeah. Um. So the most matches uh, for any manager were Darren Moore's. Uh, he probably wasn't there for <laughs> all of them, as many of them. But fourteen games under his fourteen uh, games tutelage. Three wins, the same as as Monk got from from eleven games. Uh, four draws, mm-hmm. seven losses. How would uh, we have done with over the course of a season if it was Darren Moore? Darren Moore would have got thirty seven points, so less points than we ended up with. Mm. Uh, but I but I think we feel that if he would have had more of a chance and more of a chance to do a a little bit of a. You know, it's interesting about the whole mentality about who who signs these players, who picks these players, who brings them into the club. You know, the separate arm of recruitment from the manager. Yeah. It's interesting that so many football businesses, I've heard someone say, is that like someone on Alstor posted, like, you, you know, a lot of clubs don't actually give the manager full control. No. And then if we immediately look across, look across to the other third of the city in Sheffield, then we'll see a Chris, Chrissy Wilder, spunking spunking huge stacks of cash yes yeah him going up to the top of the moor and then just uh just taking the um he just he just opens up he he angles he angles his lorry he opens up and just this huge stacks of cash just pour down the moor like a river which is him just pissing away fortunes on shit players i'm really it was big stacks of cash we ended up with because I thought starting with spaffing your image was going to be much more <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
I'm, so I'm sorry, Rich. I guess I let you down, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> but I think he would have had a, like His a little bit of. Is... I, I think we've seen some of the better transfer dealings have had like a little bit of an influence from certain managers, right? So yeah. hilarious, like weirdly, I mean, especially in a you know a hugely disruptive time in which he was, he had some big health issues from yeah. COVID. We had the disruption. Like I, I remembered, like one of the games where I think it first came from, and it felt like it felt like a player had been injured in the warm up to me. Yeah, yeah, it, it had that same sort of caster sort of shadow over things in the same way. Mm-hmm. I think you could argue we had some pretty difficult games. You know, Moore's period of time, I know you play everybody twice, but if you're only getting 10 games or 12 games, you know, on a, on average each, you there is the possibility you play a group of... So we... So under Moore, mm. we've had some pretty tough... I mean, Rotherham was a real sucker punch, awful game. It comes straight after that Luton. So he's, you've also got to arrest the form because we've lost four games running before you even take over. Mm. So you can get a new manager bounce, but you also have the fact that you've got to pick up players that have been losing week in, week out for a month. Um, but we So we played Rotherham, which is tricky. That's a kind of six-pointer down at the bottom. Had Reading, pro, pro, um, playoff potential team, Norwich. Huddersfield, so-so. That was probably the worst, one of the worst games under Moore. Barnsley, Watford, uh, Cardiff, while they still had a a dog in the the chase in terms of uh, promotion. Swansea, you know, like we're almost, it's almost promotion contenders all right the way along or teams that are right in the mire with us. Mm. Um, It's quite a tough run of games, I think probably tougher that Thompson probably had the easier of the two chunks of games in that second half of the season. But, and we're talking very fine margins. Moore got 0.9 points per match. Monk would have seen a safe at 1.1. Thompson sees us even more, you know, fairly comfortably safe at 1.2. So one win here or there, one one win swap for a loss, vice or vice versa, can make a big, big difference at this stage. What do you think? I think the reporting after the end of the season has been positive. More staying has been seen as a positive by and large. Mm. What What's the reason for that? Why do you do you feel that it's a positive he's staying on? And, and why would you say that? I feel it's positive because I feel it's someone who he feels like the bigger the bigger man manager out yeah. of all of the criteria, and I think that's something that's kind of come out of everything that seems to be said about the club and i can only see and feel that that's going to be something that's a positive um i think we heard some kind of rumors and conjecture this week that um dean windus josh windus's dad oh yeah who we all know is is basically seemed to kind of say said you know windus has met with darren moore and he's felt very positive about it and seems to think that he's staying unless there's something else. So he seemed very positive about that. There seems to be a lot of positivity around Darren Moore and who he is. I think, (laughs) whether this is borne out by the stats or not, I would say for me, under Moore and Thompson, Mm. I felt like we were a team that had been given a style of play. The players were responding. 
but they weren't very good. And I, th- I think under Pulis, that's those same not very good players. I didn't feel like they were organised. I didn't feel like they had a style that worked for... Like, it felt like they were having a style enforced on them rather than having a style that worked to their abilities. That's I think that's to me, is the, is the strength is it felt like we were getting the best out of this group. It's just, unfortunately, it's not a very good group. Yeah. Good yeah. managers probably get what get the worth out of the players that they have and great managers get more than the worth. So you think we we were definitely within the realm of good managers for the last two so. managers of this season? I think so. Mm-hmm. We were getting what those players could give. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Yeah. Which is sad. <laughs> but that's where we are. And now half of them have gone. So <laughs> who knows what will come in their place. Would you, how, what would you go for grade-wise for, uh, for Darren Moore? It's interesting because I think there's been signs and promise. I think there's been a lot of positivity around the club. And then it's it's difficult to really give him a rank with no insight into any signings to kind of change things up, any mm. leeway in that. And the guy's been, been absent yeah. for so many of those games. Because, I mean, really, what we could do, we could maybe just look at Jamie Smith in a sense. I mean, we've we've learned that Darren Moore's been, you know, on the phone, <laughs> on the phone yeah. watching the coverage <laughs> while he's still while the, bedridden, resting, healing up, convalescing at home. Exactly. What, um, watching Godzilla versus Kong. As he <laughs> said, he yeah. So it's it's really difficult, but I mean, then I don't think, well, the results haven't been good enough because this is the situation we've had. So I, I want to say C plus. Yeah. Because I think, I don't think I can quite give him a B minus, but I think it's a C plus that there's, there's promise. There's promise for a full season of a proper full look at recruitment, albeit a much lower level. I think that's fine as long as we just get some better characters in the club. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm curious. We were linked with like Chucks and Chucks and Nike, uh, Charlton, who I think I was impressed when they got him previously. Who I don't think did much in Championship, but had about 15, 16 goals in League One. Yeah, former Arsenal youngster. Former Isn't Arsenal it? youngster, and apparently a bit of a clumsy character, but seems to get the goals. So I don't know. I don't know who's going to come in, but I'm interested. I'm, but I have a degree of optimism. Yeah. That I'm again, optimistic. I think he's going to get. Most- I think he's going to get some more. Yeah, like I agree with you that I think he's a good manager and that good managers get more worth out of their squad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. Oh, okay. Well, that's the managers given their grades. The only thing that remains, Luke, is to judge our former selves against ourselves now and grade grade the gravy boys on on our predictions at the start of the year. Or start of the season. I'd give us a D. <laughs> <laughs> Is there were there clear were there clear, you know, did you did I hesitate to ask, but did you do better than me, would you say? Or, or or was there not really much in it? Both had our howlers. We yeah, we both uh we both made a few howlers. I think you were slightly the better, if I'm looking back at this. Um so I'll kind of just go over my kind of notes here, Rich, if you don't go mind kind of leading this piece. So I picked Borough for surprise package. Uh-huh. I said they would be mid-table, which I think yes. is pretty accurate. Yeah. You know, you went for Stoke for surprise package. Which didn't really come off, did it? But you did say that Barnsley might do okay. 
I did, I did say that. So I, I guess you're right because they're pretty. They're pretty okay. Pretty okay. Pretty ensconced away from the relegation fight. Uh, top of the flops, you went for you went for Bournemouth, which yeah, that didn't really come off. Mm. Although losing in the set, they lost in the semi final now, which I think qualifying for the playoffs would have been the base of their expectations. And failing at the first hurdle in that is probably way below where they hoped to be. But it's not what I certainly not what I meant. I thought they might have a Huddersfield esque implosion where they were suddenly bumping along the bottom of the next division as well. So. Mm-hmm can't really hand on heart i can't claim that as a victory i've got to say who were your top of the flops i can't remember who i went for there that was an interesting one i think i might have gone for something like bournemouth i can't remember anyway i don't think that came from my notes anyway let's look at relegation so we we mm-hmm. both went for 24 spot for wickham if you obviously okay. 22nd and may feel aggrieved that uh the cheaty cheaty derby county um yeah. probably will have the same situation that wednesday do which they'll Probably start next season with a pretty pretty dire points deduction. Twenty third, I said Luton Town. I was wrong there. Uh, mm. Rich said Rotherham, so that's spot on. So we got that one correct. Perfect. Twenty uh, second, I said Barnsley, and I was wrong. I can't remember. Can't recall if I've yeah. got my notes. Who you said for twenty second? I think I might have said Coventry. I think I thought Coventry were going to struggle, but they they did all right in the end. Fairly comfortable season for for Cov. Sixth place, I went for Watford. You went for Millwall. I was okay. more in the ballpark. I was more slightly, slightly lesser wrong, maybe, should I say? Lesser wrong. <laughs> Fifth place, this is a staggering one. Both you and I went for Derby. Wow, we couldn't have been much more wrong on that Could one. Could have been much more wrong. Uh, fourth place, you went for Watford. Okay. Which uh, is that? Is that correct? No, Watford finished second. When, Watford uh, finished second. Sorry, they did, didn't they? Sorry. Yeah. I went for Brentford, who finished third. Okay. Yeah, very, very close. Uh, third place, I I said Swansea, who finished fourth. Yeah. So pretty close there. You went for Stoke. Oh. You did the yeah. mistake a lot of people did, which is thinking Stoke would be. Any good this season. You got half the playoffs right then, I think, didn't you? So that's not exactly the right mm. position. Half the teams in the playoffs. I think that's a good call. Uh, second place, I went for Cardiff. Wow. Which, um... <laughs> it's interesting because in that episode, you do talk about how you don't believe in the... Oh, that was a bit borrow. You would say you didn't talk. You didn't believe in the Warnock magic. But I guess Cardiff, it's like tangential Warnock magic. <laughs> Which I mean, they weren't that far off the playoffs. They were, they were sort of nine. No, I mean, they. If you know, if the season was longer, they'd probably keep rising. You know. <laughs> yeah, if if they were allowed to keep playing games and nobody else was, <laughs> eventually, <laughs> eventually by November they'd be top of the league. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're just going to keep playing games. What about our results from the games? That they, they don't count. <laughs> just Cardiff. Exactly. Now, what happens is because we're Welsh, we get to play in English Championship, and then once that finishes, the summer Welsh league starts, and it's just us playing games, and uh, and they get added on top. It's us, um, it's us dicking around the new scenes. <laughs> T- Total Network Solutions took an took an absolute hammer in to put us in second <laughs> spot. 
so unlucky, what third you got to go? Even, even brought back Michael Chopra. <laughs> you said Brentford for second, which is close. Close, yeah. Yeah. And we both got number one top of the pops, right? We both went for Norwich. Norwich. Uh, yeah. And they were far, away, far and away the winners. Mm-hmm. Sadly predictable, that bit. But there we go. Both of us got Wednesday's position wrong, but I think we were both fairly cautious that it was going to be just safety. I, think, I don't think we went much more outlandish than that. I went 20th and you said 20th, 19th. Okay. We were thinking we might have a full season of Monk at that stage, which would have put us around 20th, 21st. Mm. <laughs> we weren't too far off with the break-even point, were we? I guess even though Zali with that had the... The weird caveat, we didn't think that the points deduction would be halved. No. So you went for Halloween. I went for the game before. Yes. Yeah, so it's not too far off. Not too um, far off. I did say Bristol City would be shite, which is a good call. They were shit. Very good call. Yeah. Um, the more embarrassing ones are player of the season. Uh, I went for Izzy Brown. <laughs> you you went for Kadeem Harris. Oh, lordy. Rich nearly went for Iortha. Oh, which maybe he would have been if he hadn't been broken. And from my notes, Rich claimed Harris is an assist machine. <laughs> As opposed to is a machine machine for been. giving assists. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> yeah. Top scorer, I went for Windass with eight goals and he had nine. Very nice. Rich went for Dunkley with eight. <laughs> you remember how enthusiastic we were that Dunkley was going to score all these goals sometimes. oh Dunkley's going to do so much I know and I, I, I did no say Rhodes would have improved as well oh there you go so which I guess he guess he did yep <laughs> I think we just didn't know quite how broke Dunkley was I, I couldn't possibly have been enthusiastic about like if we knew how badly broken he was when he signed nobody would have been happy with the signing I think I remember people being vaguely positive across the board and I think if we had we known we would not see him grace a football field for the next four or five months I don't think that would have been the case generally Mm. but there we go I think you were slightly more right than I was I'm impressed by your I'm impressed by your playoff showing Mm. Anyway, Rich, I'll still... We have embarrassed ourselves too much. I th- maybe Dunkley for top scorer is the worst call of all since he didn't get any goals. I will still buy you a Zinger Tower meal whenever oh. we can next time. Oh, sweetheart. So there we go. Sounds good. Is there anything more for us, Luke? Or is that, up? that it for the season review? Are we putting... No, that's it. Let's, uh, let's try and end this episode because it's going to be a big old stonking long episode. I think also this episode, Rich, we will probably announce this. We'll say um, we're going to go to a a bi-weekly. Yeah, occasional. An occasional mm-hmm. summer podcast is what you can look forward to from from Gravy Industries. We're going to go back and see if we can get our appetites wetted a bit like <laughs> Big Darren Moore. <laughs> we're going to try and speak to Milan on his underwater phone and see see what he did to... Mm-hmm. Um, coax his his enthusiasm tank back into action and also this episode will be the episode we break we will break thirty thousand downloads for the episode Mm. which is um it's been a big target for us 
um, we're just so overwhelmed with anyone who takes the time to listen to uh, little old dumbers. Yes. Dumb Luke and Rich talking shit about Sheffield Wednesday. So thank you very, very much to everyone who's who's listened and liked our tweets and reached out to us and said nice, nice reviews. Thank you very, very much, very earnestly from the yes. bottom of our hearts. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you. Thanks for sticking with us. And um, we'll uh, we'll speak again soon. Cheerio, Luke. See you, Rich. Have a good week, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you.